0: You are listening to the Cycling Podcast at the 2022 Tour de France fan, powered by Super Sapiens, energy management for committed athletes and coaches. Stage 4, today we're in Bar-sur-Aube. How
1: amazing is that? Yeah, how amazing is that? <laughs> yeah, you tell me how amazing this is <laughs> Well, it's pretty unusual to start the podcast with a, a question from the stage winner herself, Marlon Reuser there, uh, asking how amazing uh, was her performance? Rook, how amazing was her performance today?
2: It was pretty impressive, I'd say. Um, there was no no time trial in this Tour de France Femmes, and so she just created one for herself.
1: But it's the perfect way to do it.
2: Lizzie, you know, how how amazing was it?
3: It was, you know, Marlon is a really good friend of mine, and she won't mind me saying that it was a very good performance. But she capitalised on the fact that the GC favourites were in a position where they were kind of looking at each other and they didn't want to risk anything because it had been such a risky stage already. Um, And she had five riders there, so they played the numbers game. And you know, she says it herself; she was the lucky one. So. It had to have been a rider who was a good time trialist, but it could have been her, it could have been Chantal Black, and it could have been Lotta Kopecky. To be honest, any of those riders probably would have, would have made that work. Oh, oh well, that's there you a go, go, Marlon. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what,
1: that's what one of your
3: friends thinks of you, anyway. <laughs> Well, I think she's very, very good. And I did say in the preview that if she was let off the leash, she would probably go and do something like this. But, uh, you know, it was just, that's the way Estee works, right? Right? They have numbers up there and they play the game. And Malin was the lucky one to, to, to
2: win the game today. I also think, though, what worked in her favor is that she started the stage so far down that she wasn't, you know, a really big threat to the GC. So they, you know, were pretty... Uh, flexible and letting her get a little headway. Exactly. Yeah, that's true.
1: Well, should we actually? Uh, well, no. First of all, I should say, wh- where are we, Brooke? we we're, we're we're out. Lizzie has actually joined us in. Having a glass of champagne today, I'm very well. To see, or rose, thimble,
3: sorry. Thimble full of rose. probably well. That's because I've drunk most of it
1: already. <laughs> it's now become what was
2: a, a bucket is now a thimble. But <laughs> uh, yeah,
1: Rook, you know where are we? And you know what's the ambience here?
2: We um, are now in. We continue to be in Champagne country. But rose is also very popular around here. And by the looks of it, people have been enjoying plenty all day. <laughs> It's true. They did have uh, champagne in the press room again, but unfortunately I uh, didn't get to partake.
1: I didn't get any either, but we're in a very nice square in uh Barca Orb, which I'm struggling to remember because there's a lot of bar I mean tomorrow morning start is in Barla mm-hmm. And there's uh, today I was in uh, had lunch in Barca Sen. But I think you've been in all the to...
3: bars, haven't you,
4: Rose?
1: I've been in all the bars. Don't worry, I'm d- I'm doing my cycling podcast duty here. <laughs> I'm making sure I'm ticking off all the bars. But we're in a, in a lovely little uh, square. There's uh, uh, some a yellow jersey bunting that's up, which is a new word for you, Rook. The it word is. bunting, um, which I didn't realise was just a British word. But there you go. Uh, there's some bunting. There's uh, actually a, a like a outside little beer garden that's just been dismantled, which had a load of cycling jerseys. Uh, hanging up, which I should remember this. That was a very good way of me uh, reminding everyone that Cycling Podcast has a uh, partnership with Map, and we challenged Map to create three jerseys uh, for us this year. That and one of them is gonna gonna be uh, made and sold. And uh, I believe that the votes have been counted, and the winner was Dot. So it uh, was
3: Dot, indeed.
1: Yes, so that was an eight. Uh, that was a eighties inspired jersey. Um, so I recommend people go and uh, check out check that out. And if you were a check or fade supporter, I'm sorry, but, you know, dot is what we're going to be having. But, yeah, we're looking forward to that. That was just... Sorry, I did that so seamlessly. I couldn't believe it. But we haven't even heard what... Um We've heard all my uh, commercial adverts, but we haven't actually heard what uh, <laughs> happened in the stage yet. So,
3: Lizzie, why don't you uh, roll us off with your tale of the attack? Why don't we, Rose? Well, stage four, 126.8 kilometres from Troyes to sur And it was the sea words flying around once again as chaos and carnage were the expectation for this hotly anticipated gravel stage. And I'm glad you said that, Lizzie, because I thought that was going to go down a bit. <laughs> I
2: was like, what? Sea <laughs> 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 a heavily
3: backloaded stage saw five categorized climbs, a bonus climb, and 13 kilometers of the Champagne region's finest chunky, chalky gravel, all to be tackled within the final 60 kilometers. The late early break finally took off 40 kilometers into the stage. Valerie DeMay of Live Racing Extra, Lara Asensio of Serratis at WNT Pro Cycling, and Coralie DeMay of saint Michel Ober 93 the latter of the trio by far the strongest, attacking and dropping her companions, with her gap then yo-yoing ahead of the front group until finally being resorbed at 36 kilometers to go. Thick white dust kicked up high off the dry chalky roads and the peloton stacked to the brim with all the big hill hitters calmly rode blind through the veil of dust on sectors four and three. A brief coming together between Van Vluten and Lusik as their bikes entangled on a left-hand turn was quickly resolved with both riders being back in the peloton by the end of sector three. It was beginning to look like the expected mayhem was, perhaps, all hype. Then the peloton hit sector two and the proverbial hit the fan. Puncture, butchered Ludwig. Puncture, Garcia. Bike change, Garcia. Reuser and Van Dyke driving the head of the race and splitting the group. Puncture, Nibia And a very near miss as she avoided smashing into the back of a neutral car by just millimetres. 29 kilometres to go and normality resumed as all the favourites regrouped. But with barely a moment to catch a breath, Misha Bredewald of Park Hotel Valkenburg kicked off the attacks. Six kilometres of cat and mouse ensued before Marlon Reuser of SD Works launched her killer blow, immediately getting the gap, and with three teammates behind, in the blink of an eye, the European time trial champion was up the road and out of sight. One sector left to fight. Puncture, Garcia, again! She dropped to the back of the group, and her teammate Magnaldi stopped on the other side of the road. Manialdi passing Garcia, her much smaller bike, across the middle of the gravel road, and BAM! Alex Manley, coming from behind, crashed straight into the bike, which was about to change hands. Ahead, the mayhem raged. Puncture Van Vluten, bike from Norsegaard. Puncture Longo Borghini, bike from world champion Elisa Balsamo. Puncture, white jersey of Yuli de Wilder. Three kilometres later, Longo Borghini and Van Vluten were back in the bunch. Garcia was just behind, hoping to put her tumultuous day behind her. A couple of sticky bottles from the team car and she'd be safe again. When SMASH! The back wheel of her bike clipped the front of the team car and she slammed straight to the ground. Reuser, meanwhile, had profited from the turmoil behind, and no threat to either GC or Yellow had opened up a fair gap, with Amulusic and Avita Music hanging in the gap behind. An absolute flyer saw Veronica Ewers of EF Tibco SVB eject herself from the pack and up to the chasers in an effort to compensate for the time lost on stage three. But the Vice World Time Trial champion Royza was untouchable and stormed to the line with time to spare to savour the moment. Evita Music took second place from the trio behind with Amia Lusik rounding out the podium for Canyon Schramm. Voss won the bunch sprint behind, taking 5th place ahead of Lotta Kapecki and increasing her lead in the green jersey competition whilst also retaining yellow. Femke Heritzer kept the polka dot jersey, Julie De Wilder just managed to cling on to the white jersey, whilst Esti Works jumped ahead in the team classification. Mavi Garcia was the biggest loser of the day, losing both skin and 1 minute 31 seconds to her GC rivals and dropping out of the top 10 after a day she will be hoping to forget.
0: The Cycling Podcast at the 2022 Tour de France FAM, powered by Super Sapiens. Energy management for committed athletes and coaches. Still guessing on fueling? Not sure what or when to eat and drink on rides that matter? Never again. Optimize your fueling strategy with real-time glucose data, actionable insights, and personalized analytics. We're here to help you achieve your performance goals. Go to supersapiens.com for more on
1: how to track your energy levels and fuel for success. Thank you very much to Super Sapiens, title sponsors of the cycling podcast. Now, we've heard during all of our Tour de France coverage some clips from their own podcast, the Super Sapiens podcast, which is hosted by Zylon Van Ayck and Dr. David Lipman. And we have another clip for you today. And this time it's from Rachel Naylan, who is here racing for Cofidis at the Tour de France FAM and actually finished in the top group today. So, an amazing performance from her.
5: Let's hear what she had to say on their podcast. My ex-boyfriend, I was dating a, a rower. He said to me, "Look, you know, if you're if you're disillusioned with you, with your athletics, and if you really want to be a, a world-class athlete, why don't you consider an endurance sport? Why don't you consider jumping jumping in a boat?" So I learned to row, and that was a real fundamental, like p- real pivotal part of my story because with the rowing, of course, comes cross training and comes cycling and comes running, and I just. T- Talk to the endurance training like, you know, like a duck in water. And um, that's the moment where I I realised, look, yeah, I'm an endurance athlete. Find out more about Super
1: Sapiens' system of continuous glucose monitoring, which can help tailor your fueling and training for success. Go to supersapiens.com. Now, we don't normally think about uh, Marlon Reuser, the winner of stage four, as someone who wins an awful lot. Well, if she does, she wins time trials not necessarily uh road races um but you know lizzie you know her very well tell us a
3: little bit about you know what she's like as a person <laughs> well i mean as you heard in the in the Winners interview Marlon is a great character. She's a great person to have on the team. She's so funny. She always lightens the mood. Um, and most importantly, for somebody in the team, well, actually, I would say most importantly is having somebody who's a good character. But of secondary importance, she is an absolute workhorse. And although she doesn't win, she is so instrumental in SD Works victories. And if she were on a different team, you know, she would probably win a lot more because she would be the breakaway rider that would. You know, nobody would be able to touch. But because she's in this this team of SD Works, where there are so many strong riders, they will have numbers, and she will, you know, try and bring back that solo break or, or whatever it is. And and she will be one of those pawns that they use to play in the final of the race.
1: So, is that? Do you think that's kind of what they were playing at, or do you think that uh, SD Works were telling Marlon Royster to go for it today?
3: Oh no, I think they were definitely telling her to go for it. They had. They had a clear numerical advantage and people behind who who weren't, you know, their main priority wasn't the stage win today. Um, Voss's priority was keeping the yellow. Everybody else's was just keeping their powder dry for what's coming on stage seven and eight. And and they had a bunch of riders there. They actually, I think I said in... uh, In the tail of the attack that they had four riders they actually had five riders um you know later in the stage there so so mulling off the front and then four defending behind so no other team had even nearly that number of riders there so so it was the clear it was the clear strategy in order to try and win the race because you know, the chance of winning when you're solo is obviously a lot higher than the chance of if you're, if you're coming from a bunch, especially if that bunch contains Mariana Boss.
1: Yeah, that's true. And uh, it was a very different uh, press conference today, wasn't it, Rook, that, that you, as a com- compared to Cecily Uchup-Ludvig's yesterday?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Yesterday we got a very uh, animated, very emotional um, interviewee. And uh, today we got someone uh, quite on the opposite, very level-headed, very... Uh, <laughs> you know, I don't. She said that this win uh, doesn't isn't life changing by any means. She says she's the same before and she was the same after. So um, it was kind of refreshing, though, to have someone who uh, who who can be so humble and and just say it as it is. You know, actually, going off that, I have a lovely little anecdote about
3: um, Marlon Rojas. There was a little bit of prize money that came in from the the, the, the defunct La Katusha, then a the keep pool car team. And I think it came in whilst I was suffering from a concussion, and it took me a while to, to get round to organising, paying it back to the riders. And, and when I did, it was it was a relatively small amount, but but still, you know, hundred and, hundred and something euros. And and Marlon said, I don't need this money. Um, you take it. And I said, Well, I don't need this money. So we decided that we would give it to charity. But that's exactly the kind of rider that, or, or exactly the kind of person that Marlon Roiser is. She is very kind, very caring, um, not at all selfish, and just, yeah, just generally a very good egg. love how we're doing all this fighting for equal prize
1: money. <laughs> and then we hear all the riders are going to like, oh, I don't need that. <laughs> Give it away. No, I don't need it. <laughs> That's amazing. But well, let's hear from uh, Marlon Reuser herself. Uh, in a, We heard her right at the top of the uh, podcast, but it would be great to hear a little bit more from her. Um, so this is uh, a little voice memo that she sent to you, Lizzie, isn't it? Uh, after she won today.
6: So hi, everybody. Hi, Lizzie. Um, I'm super happy for sure uh, that it went that way, that I could win that stage or we as a team, as the because I think in the end this was for sure a team effort because uh, we really said we want to make this race hard we want to take the lead so to enter these section sections with the gravel and the climbs before we really said we go full gas from the front to reduce the bunch and then from this situation of that reduced bunch with five riders of team sd works it was clear that we have to attack and try and everybody tried Not our GC riders that were also there, which was very good, but the three of us, Chantal, Lotte and me, and that my attack went clear is also a bit of luck, and I'm very, very grateful I had this luck today, and yeah, I took them my chance and brought it to the finish line, and now I won this stage. So funny, I love it, but life goes on. (laughs) Bye-bye. Now, what is significant
1: also is that it was SD Works' first win uh, of the Tour de France, fam. And uh, I mean, most people are expecting plenty of success to come their way uh, as we approach the high mountains uh, later on. But they also had uh, something that we didn't really mention yesterday: was the third place for for Ashley Moorman, who is she's one of those riders who uh, she's always knocking on the door of victory, but she's never
2: quite. Uh, quite getting one is she Rook. Absolutely. You know, always a bridesmaid. Yeah, it could be seen that way. Um, But she's also, you know, she's a... Her and Emma Norsgaard, actually. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) At the same wedding. (laughs) Whose wedding?
3: I don't know whose wedding they are. Maybe uh, Anna van der Brecken? Oh. I do not know that. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. This metaphor has got too out of hand,
1: they got too it. Yeah, way too literal. It was supposed to be
2: metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but she. I mean, she's also a great teammate. You know, whenever the the hills go up, you know that you have a, at the very least you have one teammate with you. And I think, uh, yeah, it's it's great to see her on the podium. I'd love to see her on the top step before she retires, which is coming up very very soon. But um, yeah, I think it was great to to see her back there on the podium.
1: Well, we say very soon, but uh, we do. I think Lizzie, you mentioned to me earlier that you'd seen that. Uh, Ashley Moorman was, but, you know, couldn't find anything to back
3: it up. Uh... I, I, it is just rumour at this stage. And so I, uh, I don't want to announce it on the podcast, but it seems like Ashley may go on to race for another year saying, well, with these legs, it would be a shame not to use them. Um, but one thing I noticed yesterday that was really nice to see was um, we heard the new feature um, that ASO were trialling, you know, showing the race radio on the live TV feed. Uh, and we we heard the director, Danny Stam, say, uh, do not ride, Ashley. We can go for Demi with this victory. Um, but then in the last few kilometers after that bonus climb, we saw Demi riding at the front and they'd clearly switched tactics and were going to ride for Ash. And that's really great, actually, because so, so often Demi gets the opportunity and not Ashley. And Ashley is in such fine form. It looks like she's in the form of her life at the moment. Um, and... I just think it's great for her to get that opportunity and she she delivered with a podium and we'll see in the mountains if she can she can go to better because she she looks great she's climbing great her accelerations are really sharp. Um, and I think that she is just so highly motivated for this. Um, she works with Zwift privately as well. Um, and so, you know, getting a result at the Tour de France firm avec Zwift would be, would be really huge for her.
2: Yeah, I would say, like well, yesterday... huge for anyone. You and I were, were sitting together watching the finish, and... Um I think I may have said it out loud, but I was like, "Wow, she looks fresh." Yeah, <laughs> you know, I was but like, "Wow, mm. everyone else looks really rather pained, and she's just like spinning uphill." She definitely looked in her element. Yeah, that would be a great double bluff by SD Works as well, wouldn't it? If it, you know,
1: everyone's looking at Demi Vollering, you know, and Demi Vollering's been hiding away and been training especially for this. You know, if they then pulled it out that it was Ashley that they'd been working for. That would be it would be very clever, but I mean, it would be great, wouldn't it? They have those champions that they can play with, don't they?
3: Yeah, absolutely. And it was interesting because because so many of the top riders did go to the Giro to prepare for this race. But notably, neither Demi Vollering or Ashley Mormon Pasio did. Um, And Ashley actually talked a little bit about about her preparation and said that she was doing things differently. She loved the Giro, but she wasn't there this year. She was using the women's tour and then her own specific preparation to do exactly what she knew she needed to do to be in the best shape for the tour. So she's had this in her mind for a really long time. And apart from, um, you know, a a crash at the Vuelta Burgos, um, which unfortunately took her out of contention there on the first stage, which was a shame because she'd been absolutely flying in the races prior to that. She's had a relatively uninterrupted run in. So, you know, that cannot be you know, that cannot be underestimated, the value of, of actually being able to, to carry out your own
2: preparation and execute it the way you want to. Demi told me the exact same thing. The reason she skipped the Jiro the was that she, she didn't want any any gray days, as you put it, like days where you're not in control of your training. Uh, you're, there's many times in the Jiro where you go under what you're capable of and where you go over and then you would like to go. And I think being at home allows you to do exactly the kind of block training that you need. And uh, they both did that. So, you know, if is this what it takes to beat Anamiek? Maybe.
1: It might be, might not it? Well, let's hear from uh, Ashley Mormon pascio herself. Uh, I caught up with her at the end of Stage 4. Well, uh, Ash, first of all, um, congratulations on your third place uh, yesterday and, and uh, another win for the team today.
7: Yeah, uh, so um, Stage 2 didn't go exactly as we would have liked. Um, yeah, we got caught up a bit with the crash. So, um, yeah, the past two days have definitely made up for it. Um, the spirit in the team is high, you know, we came back from that disappointment pretty well and even with Demi crashing yesterday, uh, you know, we've shown we're, we're a strong team and uh, Marlon was incredibly strong today, she was really making the pace on all of the gravel sections so she got the free license to, to go for it and yeah, we're really happy for her. And uh, we know that you and
1: Demi are incredibly strong in the, the high mountains, what's the tactic up until you reach those stages?
7: Well, yeah, it's just about uh, staying attentive, um, making sure we don't lose any time. You know, obviously, already we, we had a setback in, in stage two, so tomorrow's going to be an important stage. It's, um, it's not a lot of climbing, but it's a long stage, and we've seen in France that the wind is always a factor. So, um, yeah, tomorrow it's just about kind of conserving as much as we can, but um, staying attentive and making sure we're there, and then... Yeah, the mountains are calling. They they're not far away, so it's about conserving it as much as we can until Saturday and Sunday. And how much, uh, how important is a confidence boost like this? A morale boost uh,
1: with the week ahead.
7: That was so good. Yeah, of course, it, it definitely helps to, you know, to feel strong. Um, and yeah, yesterday was definitely a big confidence boost for me. Even today, you know, I felt really strong in the gravel sections. I was always up up front i was really happy to make it through <laughs> smooth because um yeah, there were some punctures um and it was pretty crazy at points but um yeah happy to get through safe and sound and looking forward to the next stages
1: well i've just got to the first gravel section that the riders will be tackling today it's 2.3 kilometers long um looking at it the gravel is very loose and at the edges you know there's no defined edge to these roads uh the gravel just goes all the way off so uh you have to pick the right part of the road to be. If you've had a recon, then that's definitely going to be an advantage. Right now it seems very quiet. We've got lots of the uh, soigneurs, obviously a lot of the um, volunteers for the teams with extra wheels. All the wheels are lined up in the long grass at the side of the road. Um, pretty quiet right now, apart from the odd passing vehicle kicking up a lot of dust because the road is very, very dry. Uh, you can hear the, you might really hear the crickets, the race radio going. Uh, maybe some of the people watching a TV broadcast as they're waiting for the riders to come through. Um, But yeah, that's not what it's gonna be like when the riders come through. It's gonna be chaos, I should imagine. Right just after the end of this first gravel section there is a really hairy um, descent it's pretty steep it's pretty winding it's reasonably narrow uh, so if you can make the difference there um, then you, you know you're going to want to have to be in your own space in order to tackle that uh, descent well So now we're just waiting for the riders they're not too far away um, and see what the damage is done on this first gravel section. <laughs> Now, Beth, we're just waiting for the riders to come through on this first gravel section. Tell us, what
5: does it, what is involved for a team on a day like today? It's like a mini bianca or a mini Roubaix, really, because with the four gravel sectors, you need to be prepared. There's a change in equipment in terms of change of tyres, change of wheels to where we have been using, different pressure, um, and then obviously a lot more resources on as many gravel sectors, as many parts of each gravel sector as you can to make sure that if something does happen and there's a puncture or whatever that there's someone nearby because we expect that as each sector goes on one by one by one, that the gaps will be bigger and therefore the race car probably is going to be even further behind so the chance that you can lose some time just from being unlucky is pretty high I would say.
1: Now you're just you're the co-owner of the team so you wouldn't normally be <laughs> standing with wheels at the side of the road. How many more staff have you had to put on
5: and pull on to, to be on the roads today? Yeah we have uh, a lot, I mean in general for the whole tour we have a lot because we know we expected that it was going to be busy and the more people around um, you know doing sort of individual jobs to then try to put everything together has made it easier and so far we've been going well Um, but yeah we we have people on every sector Um, we also have some support from Canyon and SRAM extra so then that, that also means on some Texas we have two people so we feel really confident that if something happens we're we're trying our best to try to resurrect the situation and how do you feel today is it a day where time can be gained
1: or you know the race can be won or is it just about avoiding the race being lost here
5: Yeah, I think number one, you, if you're going for GC, if you have GC ambitions, for sure today's about just not losing time. Um, that would be number one. I don't think the gaps are going to be... The gaps will only be really big if there's been crushes or punctures from the GC contenders and not because of form, because even though the gravel sectors are difficult and there's small climbs before them, it's not enough that it's going to be you know, major gaps between each uh, each rider when they get to the finish line. But today, for sure, for GC, is trying to... Uh, Conserve as much as possible and try, yeah, trying not to lose time. Really, I think if you come out even, then it's probably going to be a a good day for those people who really want to win yellow. Well, let's hope that the team don't need you today and <laughs> don't need don't need your wheels.
1: Thanks very much, Beth. No problem. Now I'm back and the race is just about to come through. Breakaway still away, but it, uh, what was a trio is uh, now uh, just two riders. They've just gone through. I can see the helicopter looming low on the horizon. It's quite an in- incredible, uh, incredible sight really. Now I can just see the first group on the horizon. They're taking a big long swoop towards me. It'll be really interesting to see who's still up there now. Not as much dust as I thought was going to be kicked up. There's the third rider of the De May, Valerie De May, going through the third rider that was in that breakaway just gone past me, but she's not got much distance now on the the rest of the pack. Let's see who, who we've got here coming through. Moby style, Enes Sierra right at the front, Team Bike Exchange there, you see the yellow jersey of Mariana Vos is there. And now we've got all the smaller groups already just on this first sector already already broken into little groups. I mean, there are riders here, they are just absolutely desperate to get back in there before we reach the next gravel section. The next gravel section comes so quickly after. Now we've got riders coming through now amongst the vehicle convoys, really hard for them. Here's hardly any space. They're being pushed obviously onto the right, to the edge where it's the roughest that it can be. Speed on flying. Just seeing here, Charlotte Cool of Team DSM. She seems to have stopped at the side uh, of the road, right at the end of this gravel section. Uh, she's obviously a very talented sprinter. Important part of Lorena Weebus's uh, sprint team. And the uh, broom wagon, the Voiture is right behind her. Which I mean, it's not. I have to say, the race isn't as broken up as I thought it was, as much as I thought it was going to be. She seems to be carrying on now, just with the broom wagon right behind her. Time for us to jump in the convoy, get our way to the finish, and uh, find out what happens there. Well, you heard there my adventures uh, on the gravel a little bit earlier. I just went to the first gravel section. And uh, a lot has been made of this stage, hasn't it, Rook? Because a lot of people were looking at this, four gravel sections, plenty of climbs in between, uh, as being a really momentous uh, day. What what did you make of it in the end?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, I know the Queen stage is usually reserved for a very uh, tough mountain stage, but um, in terms of the most anticipated stage, I'd say this was it. Um, It factored all the... All the not just the gravel, but even without the gravel, I think it would have been a very tough stage. It was it was punchy, it was hilly, and then the descents and, and even the flat ra- riding was rather technical. Um, the tarmac wasn't smooth at all ever, and I think uh, that would have taken the sting out of anyone's legs. And then add in the the carnage of a gravel it was uh, it, it was a tough stage for sure. And um, yeah, I think it's one that a lot of people go back and watch again, especially now that we know how things. Um, actually didn't shake out in the front. So what is it that they did that that allowed them to stay pretty well in contention for the next few stages?
1: Yeah, it was funny because if you look at the GC, it, it was kind of all square. I mean, there was uh, the only big loser was uh, Mavi Garcia. But I mean, I'm, personally, I was surprised to see it. The whole group of GC contenders uh, all coming across uh, together pretty much, Lizzie.
3: Yeah, I agree. I, I thought there would be a bit more kind of attacking and counter attacking, but I think it was just that there was so much carnage on that, well, final two sectors, but particularly the final sector. You know, you've got Longo, Borghini, <laughs> Annamiek, Van Vluten, um, Neviodoma, you know, all three of those um, losing, losing a wheel and having to have bike changes uh, or wheel changes, plus SD Works had somebody ahead. So, well, could have SD Works then gone well actually we don't care about the stage we're going to prioritize our GC ambitions and we're going to ride and try and distance those people well it probably would have been sensible for the overall GC um but how much would they have gained and was it really worth it you don't really know um I just think that it was more that everybody was so nervous about this stage And, and you said yesterday Brooke that um Annemiek actually said that she, she didn't mind the stage, but then she contradicted herself at the end of this stage and uh, in an interview that, that her team put out, she said that she didn't think this stage had a place um, and that it was too risky and uh, if the organisation put this on a, as a one-day race, she'll be the first person to, to go and be there. But she thought that the, the risk was too high for a stage, for a, uh, a grand tour like this but you know we've seen we've seen cobble stages in the Tour de France and of course we saw sorry the Tour de France on, and of course we saw Roglic losing out there we saw Ben O'Connor losing out there so I don't know what what do you think Rose? Uh, me well I think uh, I'm
1: all for a gravel stage myself I just think that if you're going to be the best rider because you know when you win a stage race you, you're saying that you're the best rider at You look after yourself on the flats, uh, you're good in the mountains, you're good on the punchy hills, um, you can do a summit finish. I feel like being able to handle a different terrain, whether that be cobbles or gravel, to me that's just part of cycling. But do you think the factor
3: of luck is is too big of a factor in order to shape the GC?
1: Well I just think all of cycling is luck. Personally, I mean, it's a sport where it's not track cycling, it's road cycling. So you are having to contend with uh, the weather, you know. So would we say like, okay, all time trials have to be done indoors (laughs) because it's not fair that some people have to ride in the rain and some people don't. Some people have a slippery road to do a time trial on and some people don't. For me, that you know, it's part of it, the luck, luck of it, and you know, there is obviously that technical element. And we do know that um, there are riders who refuse to ride on uh, certain bikes by certain manufacturers, say, and you know, will do paint jobs on their bikes so that you don't know that they're riding an unsponsored bike and things like that. Um, so, there is a technical element in it that you know, if you've uh, you've got the staff in the right position to give you a quick change around. If you've got a strong enough team, that means that you have uh, more of your teammates right at the finish to swap bikes with you in that event. And, and we saw that, that with that the
3: strongest teams today, you know, it was well, only we the strongest did. teams that had their teammates there in order to be able to change. But I guess my point with this particular stage is it's not just gravel from what we could see. It's not just any old gravel. It was really pretty rough you know sectors four and three were okay but then when you got into sectors two and sectors one it was pretty gnarly and as soon as we saw you know that was only what we saw happening at the front of the bunch we didn't see what was happening behind but I think you spoke to Iris Schlappendale didn't you Rose who was on the motorbike with our colleagues at Eurosport
1: yeah so yeah I caught up with Iris because I I was watching the GCN Eurosport uh, coverage I can see that she was on the motorbike and was um was saying that she didn't think that it is part of a stage race, and you shouldn't have a, a, a stage that was as gnarly as that. So let's let's hear what um, Iris had to say. Well, Iris, uh, anyone who was watching Eurosport or GCN would have seen you on the back of a motorbike today, and you were saying when you were out there, it would look like carnage uh, on the roads, and you weren't. You're were questioning whether. That kind of stage should be in a stage race.
8: Yeah, and I'm still questioning that actually. I, I thought, I mean, I, I didn't race, uh, and and we didn't see too many people f- like crashing out of the GC. But for example, Garcia did. Uh, I think it's really it was r- like a bit, little bit too much gra- uh, gravel. Like, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't even gravel actually. It was just stones. And um, and I think it just becomes such a lottery then with the positions of the team cars in the caravan and how many resources you have as a team to have people on the side of the road and on which points and yeah i mean it was i mean it's for sure it it you know there is it's really attractive racing and it's exciting and everything but yeah from uh, i don't know from a rider's point of perspective or ex-rider i think it's a little bit on the limit of what's, uh, yeah, what should be in a stage race, eh? On in a one-day race, it's different, but a stage ra- race like this, um, yeah.
1: And uh, you, but is not all cycling, kind of a lottery every day, anyway.
8: Yeah, it is a lottery, but I think this is uh, quite a risky lottery. <laughs> I mean, you always need to have luck, for example, to win. But I, but I w- would at least hope that uh, to the France fam, the fir- especially the first one, would be. Um, is going to be won by the very best rider. And today it was a bit like, yeah, well, what if this very best rider, um, for example, is taken out or uh, crashes out or the team car is not there. And yeah, I mean, I think they, at least they didn't race that hard in between the sectors, So a lot of riders could come back all the time. But yeah, I saw some pretty nasty things out there. And I saw also very stressed uh, DSs uh, riding their cars uh, and trying to get back to the front
1: would you say I mean is it the same case for the men's Tour de France as well or do you you think because women's teams are less well resourced there's kind of a bigger gap between the top and the bottom that comes to play
8: yeah of course we had a discussion as has been and there has been a similar discussion with the Roubaix uh, stage at the the Tour de France Um, but that is definitely a good point that I that I also think about that You know, a lot of teams don't have, they're not all equal in resources. And I think maybe the luck of the smaller French teams here is that they have a lot of family and friends around. But I did see a lot of family and friends along the course with, you know, extra equipment, wheels, etc. So that's then apparently where you're depending on.
1: Were you uh, enjoying being on the motorbike? It actually looked worse being on the motorbike than being on a bike.
8: (laughs) Well, maybe I am also, this is my my thinking, because it was actually super scary on the motorbike. And that was probably also because I was in the caravan all the time and, you know, the team cars were passing and I saw some near crashes between cars and uh, motorbikes in front of me. And especially the descents were actually pretty tricky as well, especially after the last... uh, gravel section where I was really squeezing my butt to you know keeping my fingers crossed if everything was going to be all right like I have a really amazing driver but it's uh, yeah I mean I just said it before it Roubaix uh, felt like a walk in a park on the back of the motorbike compared to today really well the butt squeezing worked didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm still here <laughs> and I'm still looking forward to the rest of the week so uh, yeah happy to, to be here
1: well that was Iris Slapendale and I was kind of surprised because you know Iris is a proper hard nut former pro racer uh, that I would think that she would kind
2: of love that kind of challenge of doing a, a gravel race was that kind of surprising for you too Ro? It was surprising that she was, but I think the Peloton has been split on this uh, since it was announced, and Anamika especially has been very vocal about um, luck not having to play a factor in GC racing. and. Uh, I, I understand that it must be a very stressful day for them out there uh, when every second counts. But personally, I'm a big fan of, of having a shake-up stage like this. I think most stage races depend on the mountains and only good climbers end up winning. And I, for one, would love to see a non-climber win a tour for once. But uh, Mariana actually made a really good point. She said that if you have a bad day out there, you're not going to be a fan of this stage. But if you're having a good ride out there, you're not going to think it's also bad. Well,
1: you know, not to question what Mariana Voss, the great Mariana Voss, has to say, uh, but uh, let's hear from Alex Manley, because she was actually someone who did have a bad day. When I was on the first gravel sector, she was right hanging off right the back, and then uh, she had a mechanical, and then she was coming back, and uh, she got taken out by Mavi Garcia, who was, we'll come to, was, was also having a terrible day. Uh, but let's hear what Alex Manley of Team Bike Exchange had to say.
9: Um, yeah, I didn't, she didn't look, <laughs> And I was coming with speed and
3: yeah, I probably said too many words but I was a co- bit caught up in the heat at the moment and I was just coming good and I was going to get back on and, and yeah, so I was just a bit disappointed. Uh, but yeah, it's all good, it's just bike racing at the end of the day. I really liked the stage, it was hard and tough and I wasn't having the best best day um, in the middle there but I was coming good again so I still really enjoyed it, I think it split up the race. It, it was A lot was going on, so I still think it was um, it was
1: good. <laughs> that was Alex Manley of Team Bike Exchange, who still, despite having a bad day, still, you know, was very happy with having the stage, having the gravel uh, in it. But I did say we were going to talk about Mavi Garcia because when you look at the GC, the only big mover uh, was Mavi Garcia, and she was a, a big loser today, wasn't she, Lizzie? Well, she had
3: a terrible day today. I mean, we all saw what happened on the coverage. She had... Uh, Puncture, bike change, bike change, puncture, bike change, and then crash where she got hit by her team car. Now, I don't actually think that was necessarily the fault of the team car. If you watch it closely, that it wasn't actually on on her. The, you know, the camera wasn't on her when it happened, but it, it replayed it. And she'd just taken a sticky bottle. She was just coming back to a group that was just behind uh, the the front bunch. She'd just taken a second sticky bottle, and the car hadn't had time to move backwards yet. And she came to the right and then clipped the front of the car's bonnet and uh, on her back wheel. And then she just went smashing to the ground. And it looks like, you know, thankfully she was up and on, on her bike pretty much straight away. But it looks like she's got some quite bad abrasions on her shoulder. And she hit the deck so hard, not at a high speed, which are often the worst crashes. So... Um, only losing one minute thirty-one on her rival's day actually isn't that bad, considering the circumstances. But it will be, remain to be seen over the next couple of days how those injuries affect her.
1: Well, let's hear from Mavi Garcia's teammate Erica Magnaldi, who you said Lizzie uh, was. I mean, Erica Magnaldi is tiny, and so the fact that Mavi Garcia did a bike, had to swap bikes with her, is quite incredible. Let's hear from uh, Erica about the day for the UAE team. It was really a tough day, and. Uh, we- more,
9: moreover, we, we had super bad luck, we were doing really good, like me and Mavi and Maike were always in the front group, uh, but she had to change bike three times. First Maike gave her, then uh, I gave mine in the last sector, and then of course for me it was, uh, was over, I couldn't come back, but I, I hope she could manage to come closer to the first group again and to limit the, the gap. But, yeah, in these kind of stages of... Unluckily, you need uh, not only to be strong, not only to have your best skills. You were, we were doing all good, but you also need a lot of luck, and we didn't
1: have. Did you take any confidence from the fact that there were, you know, three of the team up there in the front group on a very difficult stage? Yeah, it was... Uh, I think
9: we were racing super good and we can be aware that uh, we, have, we have a good level and uh, we were fighting hard to be there and we were there so uh, it was not easy already to be at that point in the race and in this uh, first group. Uh, this is something we can be happy about and uh, also that uh, we finish uh, <laughs> the stage uh, safely uh, so these are two good things. and. Things that make us look forward for the next stages and especially for the last two stages that will be more suitable for me and Mavi.
1: Yeah, and talk to me about uh, Mavi as a as a rider. What her, her strengths are? She's a
9: super um, kind leader. Uh, I really uh, like her. Uh, we create a good relationships. So we started. We trust each other and. We are working well together. Uh, she is uh, someone who never gi- gives up, so I'm sure that uh, she will not do it. Uh, the tour is still long, we are just uh, halfway through it, and uh, lots of things still happen. She's uh, super improved this year in racing in the front of the group, uh, and uh, she showed already in Giro, she has a super strong uh, climbing legs uh, to follow the best one uh, in the climbs, so hopefully she will
1: do like this in the last two stages. And what was your feeling this morning before the gravel stage? Were you looking forward to it uh, as a team? Well, of course, you always
9: look at it with a bit of uh, scare, uh, a, bit, a little bit of fear. Um, I know I'm good in, in driving my bike on gravel. I did uh, already four times started, and till now it was always okay and never crashed. and i feel confident in it but uh, of course you are not alone and lots of things can happen and especially you can have puncture and mechanical it's so it's super easy and this if it's a one day stay one day race uh, you just start and you know this can happen you have to have luck if it's if it's a stage race uh, and you are going for a gc uh, this make um, and made everybody a bit nervous because you, you know something can happen that you can't control and this is exactly what happened. Science in
0: Sport is supporting the cycling podcast at the 2022 Tour de
1: France fam Science in Sport, fueled by science. Thank you very much to our sponsors, Science in Sport. Now, if you're looking for sports nutrition, whether that be for hydration, uh, for energy, for recovery, uh, maybe it's vitamins and supplements that you're after, then head to scienceinsport.com. And don't forget, you can enjoy 25% off of their products if you use the code SISCP25.
10: Hi, Rose. uh, Here we are uh, for a little bit of uh, French flavor on stage four of Le Tour Femme. And for me, probably probably the most exciting stage in Tour Femme because of uh, all the gravel sectors um, on the route today. And also exciting because uh, we're on roads rarely actually ridden by, by the men. I mean, I've been doing the tourist guide for the Tour de France for so for many years, and uh, I didn't have lots of uh, archives uh, on, on on the villages and towns we'll be uh, going through. Uh, simply because, yeah, the, the tour farm is visiting different terrain, and um, it'll be interesting on well on on the cycling point of view, but also uh, mm-hmm. you know from a touristy point of view. Uh, we start from Troyes today, and uh, well, unfortunately for Lionel the local specialty in Troyes is Andouillette I remember a few years back it was in 2017 we had a, a stage finish in Troyes with a, a bunch sprint victory by Marcel Kitton and and the same night uh, we all decided to hit town and and go to a restaurant and of course I ordered Andouillette um, well the least I can say Simon Gill the cycling uh, podcast photographer was there and uh, attempted to uh, andouillet, um, but you know, Lionel was not convinced at all. Um, well, it, it's you know, andouillet is made with uh, uh, porks, uh, yeah, insides, guts, um, and either you like it or you don't. I mean, you know, it's 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 make or break. Um, I love it, and uh, obviously, it's, it's 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 not the case of Lionel and and many many others. I mean, Simon that night. Uh, try to you know bury the andouillette uh, under the the salad, but anyway,s uh, andouillette is really the uh, the um, the dish if you're in in trois. Uh, so on our way to um, the, the bar sur which is going to be the the finish town of the uh, uh, this this stage probably the place to stop uh, you know if you're a tourist and you're looking for a little bit of history is the village of Essois uh, that's at kilometer 86 because in the village cemetery lie uh, the painter Pierre-Auguste Renoir. Renoir is one of the most famous you know painters of the 19th century in France and is buried in the village cemetery with his wife Aline Charigot and their sons, Jean Renoir, who was a famous uh, film director. He, um, he directed uh, La Grande Illusion. Uh, I mean, really, you know, masterpieces of French cinema in the 1930s. Um, uh, and, and also, his um, Jean Renoir's brother was an actor called Pierre Renoir. And uh, I mean, all the family were artists and all the F- Renoir family are buried in uh, the small uh, cemetery of Vissois. So, you know, if you want to pay a, a homage to uh, to great painting and great cinema, uh, that that's small village on the root of the stage is, uh, you know, a must uh, see. And uh, Bar-sur-Aube, the Finnish town, um, of today's stage, uh, well it was called Seg Serra in uh, Roman times it was it was famous for its medieval fairs and it's the French capital of hemp um, it's actually quite a, a, a puzzling cycling city because uh, towards the end of July after the well after the, this tour Femme uh, is finished, um, it's it's renowned for the cycling nights there's a kind of criterion going around town. Uh, where, you know, every, everybody can, can be involved there. So really a tradition of cycling in bar sur um, Well, it actually hosted uh, a stage of Tour de l'Avenir in, in last August. As I said before, uh, the, the Tour de l'Avenir last year was kind of a prototype for uh, the parcours of this Tour de France femme. That's it for today, uh, Rose. Uh, talk to you tomorrow.
1: Well, thank you again to Francois Tomaseau for enlightening us into this lovely area that we've, we've been in today. And I'm looking forward to hearing more from Francois uh, for the rest of the week. But I'll tell you who caught my eye at the finish sign today, and that was Veronica Ewers. And uh, she'll be familiar to podcast listeners because I spoke to her at the women's tour last year when she was uh, briefly in the Time Trial Hot Seat. Uh, and she was the rider who said, oh, yeah, this is like the third ever time that I've ever done. Second. Oh, second. And was she was second? seventh
3: on the stage. Yeah,
1: it was absolutely incredible. She'd come over from uh, from playing uh, soccer. But uh, Rook, you've been working on a, a story quite recently uh, with Veronica. Tell us what you know about her.
2: Yeah, well, she uh, is from a very small town in Idaho that I happen to have gone to school in. It's Moscow, but- Idaho. Not There's Moscow. A Mos- Rush girl. Yeah, what? There's a Moscow in Moscow, Idaho Moscow, Idaho. Yep. Wow.
1: And until very recently,
3: like? her Wikipedia page actually said she was from Moscow, Russia, until a friend of hers corrected it. So
1: <laughs> She's lucky that she hasn't been sanctioned. <laughs> <Yeah. Ooh. laughs> <laughs> Very lucky, but yeah, an <laughs> un- incredible performance, uh, Veronica. You, I mean, you know her well, Lizzie. She's your uh, teammate, uh, in fact. But I mean, her star is rising at an incredible rate, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. She's got such. She's got such a huge talent. No, exactly. I mean, she was
3: my. She was my real dark horse, and I, I guess still is for the GC, but she had um, she had a rough time yesterday. She was involved in those crashes just leading into uh, the Côte de Mutiny yesterday, uh, and even though she wasn't in a crash, she smashed up her bike, broke her shifter. Um, she actually took teammate Letizia Borghese's bike and ended up losing a couple of minutes, three minutes, I think. But uh, yeah, I sent her, sent her a message last night, and I said, Cecilia Utrecht-Ludwig lost two minutes on stage two, and she won today. So, um, hopefully that gave her a bit of motivation, but I mean, she absolutely flew out of the pack when she attacked today to try and get across to the chasers, which she did just with lightning speed. And, you know, I would say I would I would go as far to say as she's one of the top five, maybe steep climbers in the world. I think she just doesn't know her limits yet. Um, she, She's taking time, like anybody, to adjust to riding in the bunch, to knowing how to to save energy, um, just knowing how to be a GC rider. And although, you know, she might come away and say, well, you know, clearly I'm not a top five, you know, climber because I, I didn't get top five on the stage. And I'd be like, well, yeah, but look how much more energy you use, Veronica. So... She got her first pro win at Elsie Jacobs uh, and then she went on to win again in Spain in May so she's had a phenomenal first you know first full season in Europe because you know she came over last year I think Paris-Roubaix was her first race in Europe which was absolutely bonkers and then she went on to to play so well at the women's tour so she is one to watch and I think that the big GC I shouldn't really be saying this really should I she's my teammate but the big GC riders need to watch out for her because they will all be looking at each other and especially now that she's lost a bit of time if they let her go, she can be really, really dangerous. And I hope, I really hope she is because she is my teammate and she's my friend.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she's definitely a a rider I've been excited about watching. I I had her picked as my dark horse as well. Um, She, in 2018, showed up at her first group ride in nothing but tennis shoes and leggings. You know, no (laughs) clipless pedals, no Lycra, just showed up for a group ride. And then here she is today at the Tour de France. It's incredible. I mean it's an incredible ride. I I'm
1: really excited because I feel like I, I catch up with her uh, uh, every race and I'm like oh look how amazingly you're doing. You must be surprising yourself. She's like yes I'm so surprised and then I'll see you a few months later. You must be really surprised. I am really surprised. (laughs) I think think that was great,
3: wasn't it? To see that enthusiasm for somebody, you know, people are so often criticised for coming fourth or if you don't win, it seemed to be a disappointment. And it was so beautiful to see her after the finish, just absolutely elated with with that fourth place. And she was driving that group to the line in order to to gain more time on the GC. So she wasn't kind of contesting a, a podium spot, but it was you know, we'll hear from Veronica in a moment. And it was her, her first, you know, top four, top five in the world tour. And that is a really significant moment and a big step forward for her.
4: Uh, how much did you enjoy it out there? Or is enjoy the right words? <laughs> yeah, you know, I had a, a friend before this race say, like, G- go out there and have fun. And I'm like, you know, it, it's, it's fun, but I'm scared shitless, like 85% of the time because I'm still, like, trying to navigate the peloton still. Um, but once it was a smaller group, Um, I was like, okay, this is awesome, and then I honestly had a really good time in the uh, gravel sections today. Um, It was fun feeling like I was in control of the bike, and we rode um, 30 millimeter um, Vittoria tires today, and that was super beneficial. Um, I definitely noticed it on the pavement being a little um, little bit more drag, I guess, but um, it saved me on the gravel, clearly. Um, There were a lot of uh, people puncturing and crashing today, but I felt super comf- comfortable and confident on the gravel.
1: I mean, how many times have you done
4: uh, a gravel race? <laughs> <laughs> um, race? I've done one race. Ridden on gravel made, this was probably my sixth or seventh time. So, yeah. Were
5: you
10: expecting to be up the
4: road today then? No. Not really. I was like, ah, okay, gotta be like toward the front at this kilometer and like be toward the front in the first gravel section and then see where you're at hope for the best hope I have some luck today <laughs> but yeah solid equipment and um, yeah luck we're on my side today
1: was part of the motivation for attacking to be in a smaller group so that you, you could be a little bit more comfortable
4: yeah um, I think I have forgot at what K it was the second to last longer climb on the pavement when I attacked to bridge to um, the FDJ, I think it was Avita and Elena with Canyon Saram, um, my DS was telling me, you know, this is your chance. Um, so I was like, oh, okay, this is gonna hurt, but um, it worked out in my favor, so um, yeah, I mean, a top five result for the first time um, for myself. Uh, so exciting (laughs) do
1: you feel like other riders you know know you better now a little bit more aware you know when you attack that it's quite it's a serious
4: thing maybe maybe Uh, i've had a few uh, big names like ashley came up to me at the women's tour and was like hey veronica you're doing a good job and i was like oh my god (laughs) you know my name (laughs) oh my god so i still have moments where i'm like fangirling over these big hitters so it's like i'm almost in tears and in shock when they know my name so it's pretty fun
1: well, that was Veronica Ewers and I'm very excited to see how she gets on for the rest of the week because if anything, it's only the terrain is only going to suit her more and more uh, as the week goes on. Um, should be a little bit of a quieter stage tomorrow, Rook. Might there be a single quiet stage in
2: this race? I don't know. There are no easy days in the Tour. It's <laughs> like say. a true pro. Uh, it's a very no, long way We'll be stage. saying it's yeah. a long
3: way to Paris, won't we?
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Long way away from Paris, from the light, but yeah, yeah. It is a long stage, though. Long being the key word in everything we've said so far. Um, it's it's I believe the longest in stage race in uh, in modern history. So it's it's a long way. So and I think a lot of people are going to want to see if they can shake up the GC and get some time. So I think a lot of people are going to try to make a breakaway happen, whether they're succeeding or not. I don't I don't know. It's hard to tell. Well, that's what that's. You left it on a perfect
1: cliffhanger there, Rook. You'll just do my job for me. Uh, thank you, ladies, for your company uh, tonight. We've, the champagne is dry, and now we're faced with trying to find somewhere to eat in a very small, pretty town, which is always the case in France. Uh, so, Rook, thank you very much for your company. Thanks for having me. And uh, Lizzie, thank you again uh, for calling up. And I uh, hope you enjoyed your rosé as well. I
3: did very much. But actually, I just really wanted to quickly squeeze it in before we go. One rider that I wanted to she Yes, a one rider I wanted to fit in was Coralie Demay, who was who was the the rider in the break for such a long yes. time, and I feel she should have been given the most attacking rider prize today because she was out off the front for fifty kilometres, and you know the the biggest proponent of that break, attacking them, staying away. Um, And it was given to Marlon Royzer, who, of course, took the stage win. And I'm sure Marlon won't mind me saying that I don't really feel she should have been given that prize. Um, So, you know what? Instead of getting that prize and going on the podium, Coralie, we're just giving you a big shout on the cycling podcast and saying that we think it should have gone to you. No, Lizzie, that
1: is the perfect thing uh, for you to say, because we are looking for recommendations for Peddlers to charm. So if you agree with Lizzie uh, and think that Coralie would be a great recipient of the Pedalers to Charm, that's the uh, a beautiful Stacey Snyder mug that we give to uh, a rider who we think has pedaled so charmingly or done some very good sportsmanship. Uh, and we want your suggestions, so please uh, message in and send us your suggestions. And you've been just given one on a plate there by Lizzie, so thank you for that, Lizzie. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, so we'll have to see who will be charmingly peddling uh, tomorrow, uh, won't we? But Lizzie, thank you as always uh, for your company too. Uh, just going to uh, leave everyone tonight with our next Tour de Buffalo. Uh, and this is again actually from the 2018 uh, La Course uh, at the time when uh, me, Richard and Orla had first gone on our very first daily uh, episodes at the women's tour and we just had a very short break and met up again uh, at La Course and uh, as I'm sure you'll hear Richard was thrilled to be reunited with us.
0: The Tour du Buffalo remembering Richard Moore ah.
11: We have got the Tour de France going on around about us. There's a. There's a men's supporting race Katmy, at the moment. <laughs> yes, yeah, there's uh, an add-on. R- r- earlier this morning, we, <laughs> an afterthought. we were up early for La Course, um, Very early. which well finished a couple of hours ago and we're gonna we're gonna talk about that in the first part. We're gonna talk about the Giro Rosa in the second part. We've got other bits of peace as well, a bit of news as well. But this is our first, I suppose, outing together since the women's tour, isn't it?
5: It is, yeah. That it was is. good fun. That was the an
11: intense few together. days.
5: Yeah. It was an intense few days. It was an intense we few together. days. Three of us together?
11: Yeah. In was a quite good fun. way. it was like
5: a school trip. I, I wouldn't have said I mean, I like, I like, like, it. I, like <laughs> I like
11: intensity. I like intensity. I need
5: was like, exactly. Because was internally off. fuming I, the entire intense. time and we no, <laughs> thought I, we were on it. <laughs> I, 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 I need
11: a bit of intensity in my life. I enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed it. I'm just going to
1: say, a short kid. It's a good
11: hunt. It's supposed to be a good thing.
1: It's not, though. No. People don't say I'm breaking up with you because you're not intense enough.
11: <laughs> well Rose and, rude, <laughs> Rose and Orla Rose and Orla it's awkward to do this while we're recording but <laughs> I really. <laughs> uh,
4: it's been great well no um, hang on we
5: are intense that's hey, good thanks. we can keep the relationship going yeah. we've yes, established that, that yeah. right, I like that's that good. Yep.
11: Yeah, let's long may it continue um, so <laughs> we've we had an intense race and I'm sure we can all agree that, that was a good thing The Cycling Podcast was created in 2013 by Richard Moore, Daniel Freed, and Lionel Burney.